Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, which ones should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season including some, like this one, that ran only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. This is so cool. That's the line you're going to go with? There is no memorable lines. Really? You aren't going to just call me a naive freak of nature? Nope. All right, today we are doing Clarissa Now. It was was either that or call 1-800-BIG-HELP-15 to pledge three hours for the Big Help-a-thon. Yes, the uh, version we saw definitely had the big helpathon bug on it the entire time. Yes. Yeah, this was Clarissa Now about when uh, Clarissa was 18 years old, a freshman in college, interning at a newspaper. Yes, so it's a spinoff of Clarissa Explains It All. Yep, it was filmed in 1995, and Clarissa was an adult. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of, Yes. And she gets a job at a big newspaper. Yeah. And we know all this because the opening of it is Mike O'Malley and Melissa Joan Hart at the big helpathon introing yep. this. Because this only got one airing and it was during the big helpathon. And uh, Melissa Joan Hart is visibly upset that they're showing it. Yeah, she's not thrilled. And Mike O'Malley is having a great day. Yeah. He is. He thinks this is funny as hell. Jet. And right now, we're going to plunge into this never-before-seen episode of Clarissa. Now, tell us about it, Melissa. Okay, well, um, it's called Clarissa Now. Clarissa's graduated high school, she's moved to New York City, out of the house, and she's working for a newspaper. All right, and it's starring someone I believe you know. Her. So let's watch. Clarissa Now. The show looks just as cheap as the uh, Nickelodeon run. Yeah, yeah. It was clearly kind of meant to sort of grow up with fans of Clarissa Explains It All. Yeah, and I feel like this is something that I've heard about many times, but never really, was never really done. This idea of taking a Nickelodeon show and aging it up and then having it appear on MTV. Yes. Now this was going to air on CBS. This was going to be on network. Yeah, this was going to be on network, which is uh, crazy. Because CBS was deemed like the old fogies network. Yeah. And they were going to try to bring young people to CBS by showing this. Yeah, which may have worked. If the show hadn't sucked so bad. Yeah. Uh, the ones we always talk about is there was a pitch to do The Patakis. Yes. Which was a show based around uh, Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold as an adult. Yes. Or not as an adult, as a high schooler. As a high schooler. And also, uh, Ren and Stimpy actually did make the jump. They did do adult party cartoon like 25 years ago. No, they, they actually just had it on MTV for a while. They, yeah. As part of the, I, I want to say it was part of Liquid Television, but there was definitely a time where Ren and Stimpy just aired on MTV. You know, I do recall this. You're yeah. right. So, uh, she is in, she's on the subway. Yeah, we open with her on the subway, and she still talks to camera. Yep. Like she did in the previous series. And she's talking about how the fact that she's in New York is so cool. Isn't this great? 
where you go in New York, tons and tons and tons of people. Not just any people. The coolest, most fascinating people in the world. Honey, get your hand off of my butt! <laughs> been to New York, seen New York, or even watched a different movie about New York, you would know she is too dumb to live in New York. Yes. Um, she is working at the New York Star Chronicle as a freshman, and like... Ridiculous. Yeah, like, they would not have you in this level of placement as a freshman. Yes. Now, I want to bring this up. Was Clarissa always a writer in Clarissa Explains It All? I believe she was. I believe she was, like, into journalism. Okay, I vaguely remember that. Like, I feel like there was something with the school newspaper or something. Yeah, I think, uh, I think she was really into the school newspaper. Because I always felt like growing up, to age myself, Clarissa was always so much older than me. She was the editor of her school newspaper. Okay. There's a whole thing. Because I always felt like she was older than me because there's a whole episode about how she gets, like, five jobs. Yes. So, like, I always felt like, oh, this is not my experience, but... So Clarissa's on the subway, and Mm -hmm. it gets more and more crowded by, like, stinky New Yorkers. (laughs) Yeah, it by, like, just people on their way to work. Yeah, and they, like, basically sit on top of her and stuff like that. Yeah, there's some man-spreading imply. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they get stuck on the train, mm-hmm. and Clarissa's just bubbly and couldn't be happier. Yeah, and like, my first notice, she's too stupid to be in New York City. Yeah! Like, she is super, super happy, and everything is the coolest thing ever, and she's not nervous about, like, the lights going out or the track work, which are things that, like, you would think someone who grew up in suburbia might be anxious yeah. about. If you've never been to New York City, it is so unbelievably overwhelming. Yes. So, like, the idea of her living just, like, in an average neighborhood and then going to, like, New York City where (laughs) the subway is higher than the population of her town. Right. Like, yeah, that's kind of hard for me to think she's immediately adapted to it. And we don't know anything about her college life. We know she's a freshman. We know she's in college. But I'm assuming, based on everything else in the show, that she's not at, like, an NYU. She's not in college in the city. Right. So I assume she's at, like, a Fairly Dickinson, a Rutgers. Mm -hmm. I'm using, like, New Jersey because that's... The stuff you know. It's the stuff I know, and it's commutable to New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, She could be at, like, a Cooney. Yeah, um, William Patterson. Yeah, like, she could be in, like... You know, one of the schools that's, like, out on the outskirts of New York. But the theme song is slightly updated, and instead of the bright, splashy colors, it's, like, white on black. Yeah. It's adult and serious. And slowed down. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Real cool. Uh, so nah, she nah, arrives nah, at the nah, paper, nah. and she's looking for the city editor. The first guy she talks to tries to send her on a bunch of errands, tries to tell her to, like... The new intern. Intern? Great. I like my coffee light. Lunch at noon. Here are the keys to my apartment. Cable guy's coming any day now. Wait for him. And then 
we find out immediately that he has no power and he's yes. not the editor. Yes. This is the show trying to introduce us to a Ferguson. Yeah. Because Ferguson was her little brother mm-hmm. and just always annoying her and, you know, breaking her plans and all this stuff. And since that was like a familiar thing that made Clarissa explains it all, Clarissa explains it all. They're trying to, you know, this is his proxy that immediately shows up. Yeah, this annoying, sanctimonious yes. brat. Yes, higher than thou. Yeah. So, we immediately have, uh, I don't have a lot of the names here, because we don't, like, we don't get introduced to a lot of people well. His name is Spencer Armstrong. Um, And we meet the actual city editor. And... She's nice. She's cool. She's a little bit of a hard ass. Yeah, but like she's but running she's a, a newspaper, newspaper woman. Yeah, yeah she's like, no, she's not like a J. Jonah Jameson. No, no, she's more like um, when you see Lois Lane actually depicted as a reporter. Yeah, she's like Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. It's more Perry White from the Daily Planet than J. Jonah Jameson of the Daily Bugle. Right. Yeah, it's definitely more equivalent there, where she's like. She's reasonable business. authority figure. Yeah, but reasonable, yeah. So, she's not, you know, screaming for pictures of Spider-Man. Exactly. And so, Clarissa, who I need to remind you again, is like 18, 19 years old. Probably 18 as a freshman. Right. 19 tops. Right. Is going to be assigned to be Hugh Hamilton's assistant. Mm-hmm. Hugh Hamilton is this extremely famous columnist for the Star Chronicle. He's won all these awards. He, like, some of his columns have been turned into films. Yeah, and I I think one of the things I took away from it is, while he is those things, these are things that matter especially to Clarissa. Yes. So, like... She's thrilled to find out about this. Yeah, like, average Joe Smo reading the paper may not be, like, as high on this man. Right. But she worships him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's a jerk. Yeah, and I have to be honest, looking at this through 2019, you know, almost 25 years later, Goggles, you're like, ooh, you would never have a columnist who is an older man who is renowned for being kind of an a-hole with a 19-year-old yeah, female assistant. This, yeah. Who's like... Fresh off the college farm. Yes. Like, that is a Me Too waiting to happen. Absolutely. It's also fun to see this guy who works for a newspaper acting like, well, I have job security. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a, you know, a punch in the nose that we're not used to seeing. Like, Character-wise, oh, yeah. he reminds me a bit of uh, Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Did you ever watch Mary Tyler Moore? I, I actually kind of got like a my girl feeling from this the entire time to the point where I think they mention it. They mentioned that girl. That girl, excuse me. But that's I, I was thinking more Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking Mary of Ed Asner's character. Okay. Who is Lou Grant, who's like her gruff superior. Right. Who kind of warms up to Mary over time. That's kind of the dynamic I think they were going for. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, she... It's a bullpen newsroom. She doesn't really know where to sit. There's no office supplies. So, like, there's no office supplies, which means somewhere there's an office manager who's going to get the crap slapped out of them. Yeah. Because, like, it has been my job to order office supplies at work. Mm-hmm. And when you are when you don't have any pens, someone's getting mad at you. 
Yes. And so she's standing there, and this woman who looks a bit like Clarissa's Aunt Violet uh, is standing there talking to her about the supply closet. And Clarissa goes, oh, is it your job to get the supplies? And she goes, well, that's part of my job. Mm -hmm. And she tells Clarissa that she looks a bit like her niece. Clarissa says she looks a bit like her Aunt Violet. And her name is Lillian. Right. And she's a nice person, and she's kind of taken a shine to Clarissa. Oh, and she owns the paper. Yes. Big surprise. And she's like, Clarissa, Mrs. Banyan is the publisher. She owns the paper. Oh, so that would be the other part of your job. I don't see why she has to know that. I wish I could sometimes just come down to the newsroom and chat with people and not intimidate them so much. But you like to intimidate us. True. Now, he, I want to point this out here. Mm -hmm. The well-known writer, Hugh Hamilton, who is played by Robert Klein, yes. who is like a big-name stand-up comedian. And I was like, hey, him, cool. He's real gruff to her mm -hmm. immediately. And like, get out of my office, I don't want to deal with you, slams the door. Then uh, Lillian shows up and, you know, very soft and things like that. But someone makes a comment that she likes when people are afraid of you. Mm -hmm. I thought we were setting up Kelso and Dr. Cox. Okay. Where it's very clear that Hugh is the villain, very clear that Lillian is the hero, and then it's going to turn out they're, they're all facades and it's going to switch. Now, Lillian's also worth mentioning is uh, Marion Seldes, who's right. a very famous actress. I met yeah. her once. She's really, really nice. Very well, well. She was really nice. Right. She's passed, unfortunately. But, like, very big cast for this show. Yes. They I clearly mean, thought this was going to be... A big show. Yeah, and this is on CBS, so I guess, like, they have to get names that everyone would understand. Like, if, if it's going on the quote-unquote Old Fogies channel, people would care about Robert Klein. And Marion Seldes, yeah. then us kids would come and watch... Clarissa. Clarissa. So, Clarissa gives an impassioned speech to Hugh about how much she adores his work, and he, sl and he slams the door in her face. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Spencer... The super jerk clarissa antagonizes him he is very much supposed to be the ferguson yeah and i I'm also almost think he's supposed to be a little bit of the sam like part of me is like are they gonna build him into like a slap slap kiss with her i thought that he was gonna eventually be a love interest as well yeah however i never felt like sam was a love interest i always kind of got that vibe that like i i wanted them to like, I shipped it as a child. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know what Clarissa <coughs> explains at all, she had a boy who would come into her window using a ladder. Mm -hmm. And everyone was cool with it. And everyone was cool Her parents with it. were like, oh, hi, Sam. Yeah. And there, there was actually a, a, a time where he jumps in through the window of the kitchen, and her dad's like, does this boy ever use a door? Yeah. Which I always thought was funny. But, like, I think there's one episode of Clarissa Explained It All where they're like, are we a couple? Just to address it. And mm -hmm. then it turns out that they're not. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, th th I did get that feeling like we were supposed to eventually, like, root for them as a couple. But I really want to point out that they're, them sniping back and forth at each other is never funny or clever. No. It's just kind of like bickering. It's like, clearly meant to be, like, a very, I want to say His Girl Friday vibe. Like, it's clearly meant to be that kind of, like, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn dynamic. Okay. But it fails. 
Because what I want to point out is the stuff between Ferguson and Clarissa, like, is does kind of mirror this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, eventually, like, Clarissa sees value in Ferguson and does a nice thing because they're brother and sister and blah, 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 blah. Right. I think as a kid, that's a relationship I understand. And, like, I could understand, all right, they're bickering and stuff like that. But I always thought it was, like, funny right. and clever. This, like, as a child, I would not understand this relationship. He would just be a jerk. Because I could understand, like, you have to be nice to your brother. But, like, this I can't understand. And it's never really entertaining. There's never a moment where it's like, ooh, got him good or anything like that. Because Clarissa's always so positive Mm -hmm. that it's like... Yeah, that's the biggest change in the show is Clarissa goes from being kind of snarky and funny Mm -hmm. and resourceful to just being a Pollyanna. A Pollyanna? Like, relentlessly optimistic. Like Right. She goes from... Having this, like, kind of edge to her when she mm-hmm. was... This is going to be a weird sense. She was edgier on Nickelodeon. Yeah. She was snarky and funny and she made the little <laughs> video games. We... That was missing. That is something I was going to bring up later. Um, especially because there's a whole plot point with a computer in this yeah. episode. The fact that Clarissa made video games was what made her cool. Yeah, and, like, her style <laughs> made her cool. And that sanded off on her, too. Like... She's dressed in a very generic, young professional, going to her internship style. There's nothing quirky about what she's wearing. There's nothing quirky about what she's doing. Right. So, um, Clarissa, like, storms into the office to get some idea ideas for Hugh Hamilton's uh, column. Yeah, basically she's trying to show off, like, I'm such a go-getter. Yeah. That here are a bunch of stories that you didn't ask me to go get. But I'm getting them for you because I'm so dedicated to this. And, like, I studied journalism briefly. And she actually does technically do the right thing. Right. Uh, I had a professor in undergraduate, um, Robert Cole, rest his soul. He was the biggest advocate for what he called Goyacod. Get off your ass and knock on doors. Right. And I thought of him a lot during this because Hugh Hamilton is a less interesting version of Bob Cole. Okay. Like, I I was like, I would actually rather watch this be my journalism professor. Well, I don't know if the rest of the world would. I think the rest of the world knows Clarissa a little bit more than your journalism teacher. Yeah, my journalism teacher was a really interesting cat, though. I'm sure he was. <laughs> There's only three reasons someone's allowed in his office. You do know there are only three reasons why anyone's allowed in this office. So what is it? Did I win another award? No. Fire in the lobby? I don't think so. My ex-wife is in the building. No, fuck you, Mr. Hamilton. It's so, like, by-the-book jokes. Like, oh, is my ex-wife here? Like, uh, alright. And, you know, Hugh, like, he's already knows everything about the three people Clarissa brings in. Clarissa brings in, you know, a hot dog vendor who is putting his kids through college. Mm -hmm. Uh, an understudy who has just been notified that she is going on for the first time as a Broadway actor. Yes. And then... like Guy wrapped in tinfoil. Murray the Roast. Yeah. And Hewitt knows all their stories, has written articles about people like them or them themselves, dismisses her, and then she just kind of tells him off and we next see her delivering the mail. Yeah. 
Now, this is all, I have to remind you, the first day of It's one day. <laughs> like, logically, she would still be doing paperwork. Yeah. Like. <laughs> There's a training video or something, right? Yeah, like, she would still be doing, like, the internship paperwork for her school. No, she's already delivering to Pepe Sylvia. I mean, I could see that she would be maybe given the mail and be like, here you go, kid. Deliver the mail, and that's how you can introduce yourself to everybody. Right, yeah. That's like a job that kind of makes sense to give the intern. Plus, it also, oh, it'll take her like an hour to deliver this mail, and then we don't have to find anything for the freaking intern to do. Right. Because um, that's how interns are mm-hmm. sometimes at these positions of like, oh my god, what's the intern going to do? I don't know. Uh, so, then Hugh has the draft for his new column. Yeah. And it's about Clarissa. Yes, and about how she is. Today is Clarissa's first day in New York City. I guess you didn't have to. Cut it out, Spencer. It's not about me. Oh my God, it's about me. I can't read this. I can? It's easy to tell Clarissa hasn't been here long. Her New York is a big salty pretzel covered in mustard. It's a red ball that falls from the sky every night because every night for Clarissa is New Year's Eve. This is sickening. This is Clarissa's New York, and I have just one piece of advice for her. Move. New York is dead. You're not Marlo Thomas in the opening credits of That Girl. Who's Marlo Thomas? I'm guessing that's not a compliment. You saw Hugh's column? Yeah, it makes me sound like this naive freak of nature. No, he doesn't. Not really. Right here, he says, Clarissa's a naive freak of nature. You're taking this too personally. No one's going to know it's you. Where is my naive freak of nature? The, the great Hugh Hamilton writes a story that is the exact thoughts we have from the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how great of a writer he is. He drew the same conclusions that every person watching this show would draw in five minutes. And, you know, at least the understudy going on for a Broadway actress, you could attach her name to the show. This yeah. is just, I'm going to publicly bully the intern. <laughs> yes! It's very weird. And then, like, Lillian is thrilled with the article and calls Clarissa essential. Yes. And informs Hugh Hamilton that the only reason he still has his column is because... Of Clarissa. Of this 19-year-old girl that's been there for four hours. So we realized that, like, Hugh's job was much more tenuous than we thought it was. So the reason he still has his job is Clarissa. She goes into his office and shuts the door. And again, I am looking at this through 2019. (laughs) And I see this 19-year-old intern go in and shut the door to be alone with her late 50s, early 60s boss. And I'm like... No, 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 honey. No, no. Mm -hmm. You're going to get harassed. Yes. He's immediately very defensive. He shouts he's not going to change anything about his article. Clarissa doesn't want him to change anything. And she says, I don't want to be your assistant if you don't want me to. So just tell me. If I say I don't want you to be my assistant, it's over. Right. And if I don't say it, what then? I guess... You'd be my assistant. Right. (laughs) Well? What? What? I didn't say it. This is what passes for affection. Yeah. Well, I I didn't say it, so there. Um, 
she's interviewed some people. He agrees to look at her notes and like kind of just feels guilty. Mm-hmm. And she goes back out to like reclaim her desk. Yes. Because she's essential. So Lillian gave her someone else's desk. Yeah. Which is weird because I believe the person whose desk Clarissa took is like another blonde woman. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me. I'm like, oh my God, in five years, Clarissa's going to lose her desk to the next kid off yeah. the uh, college farm. Yeah, child that rolls in. And so Spencer is, Spencer's just terrible. He's like, ah, so you're sticking around, huh? And she's like, yep, sorry. And he's like, I can't stand your sweet, friendly routine. Yeah. Uh, this is when I felt like this was a script that was like a very generic script that was written and they slapped the IP of Clarissa onto it. Yeah. Because Clarissa isn't Clarissa. Yeah, I mean, there's still the talking to the camera thing. Mm -hmm. And I did feel, because this is also the point where the computer shows up. Yeah. And they give it to her and, uh, Spencer's upset because she, he's wanted a computer for years. And Clarissa gives the computer to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, she kind of says, like, every time you look at the computer, you can remind yourself about how you owe me one. Yeah, but, like, the computer is so iconic to her character. It's true. Like, we've lost so much of what made Clarissa Clarissa. And, like, I'm, get, I'm getting too much into final thoughts here, but I thought okay. that was dumb. Uh, my next note is, this is ahead of its time. A white boy whining that he works three times as hard as anyone else so that he should get something he doesn't deserve. Yep. Um, because Spencer... Spencer and Hugh really don't age well into 2019. Well, Spencer's job was to edit the comics? Yeah, he, like... He was editing, like, the ad, the one ads and like the comics and stuff like he was editing something that I, was like, I believe the line was I let him edit the comics if he's good I'll get, throw him an obituary I think is the line that is said which if you know anything about comics that's not how they work yeah you can't yeah they're drawn what are you talking about well and also like a comic strip writer works with an editor yeah and then just sends it in directly and then the editor just sends it in because there's a famous baby blues comic where there's a breastfeeding gag. Okay. The father's sitting there with his coffee and he goes, Wanda, do we have any milk? And then you see milk fly in from off panel. Yeah. And he goes, I'm really going to miss it when you stop breastfeeding, Wanda. And the cartoonist slipped that in as a joke, thinking the editor was going to be like, ha ha ha, jackass. Yeah. The editor was on vacation that week and the strip ran. Oh. In like a bunch of markets. Oh. Um. I used to love Baby Blues, and I had, like, a bunch of books about it when I was a kid. So that's just... Uh, so that's not how comics work. You know Baby Blues was a one-season wonder, right? I, You know I did know that. Let's yeah. w- we'll have to watch that, because I happen to know a lot about that show. All right, then. Um, so she uses the typewriter instead. Right. And then that's kind of how it ends, is her using the typewriter to type up something. Well, there's a gag where she tries to reset the typewriter, and it flies off. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it's so clumsy. Mm. And that's the end of the show. Yeah. And when I say this wasn't... I They tacked the IP on. I know you're saying, like, oh, she still does the thing where she talks to camera. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they... I mean, they still probably rewrote the script after they tacked Clarissa on. Yeah. I almost feel like that scene on the subway was mm-hmm. written in after they were like, let's just make this a Clarissa show. Yeah. My big thing is, how many versions 
of that show were already on television or about to be on television in 1995. The idealistic young person going... I'm talking just show set at a magazine or newspaper. Yeah. Like, you had news radio, which is this show. You had uh, Caroline in the City, I believe, was was uh, journalism. I could be wrong. I believe you're right that it's... it's not, If nothing else, it's a magazine. Yeah. Just Shoot Me? Oh, yeah. Um... What is... Like, I had a bunch of them before we started recording. Holy crap. Caroline in the City, 1995. News Radio, 1995. Yeah, like, this show was already on TV so much. Just shoot me, to be fair, 1997. And that's not even counting, like, tangential ones like Frasier, which is a radio station. Yeah. Like, just... The, the idea of, like, the office place comedy, or the workplace comedy. Yeah. There's a lot of them. But, like, I felt like this type where it's, like, we are putting out some version of news or content to be watched. Mm -hmm. There was already so many. I mean, one element of it is there's always a disproportionate number of TV shows about TV. Right. Books about writing. Like, writers are disproportionately protagonists in books. Yeah, that makes sense because they write what you know. But I think that, like... So that's always been a part of it. And I think there's also something about the amorphous nature of the work. Of right. You're both justifying long hours. Because in a network TV show, you need to have like an excuse for your leads mm-hmm. to be there late at night. And it's also justifying weird hours or why they can be in a coffee shop at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. Because when you have them too much into like job jobs, mm-hmm. if you're not a workplace comedy like The Office... Where part of the point is that, like, nothing is getting done at this paper company. Right. Um, then you kind of have this, like, you need excuses for why the job is weird. That's why so many people in media work as magazine writers or some kind of art. Mm-hmm. They're working jobs where it's not, like, a nine to five. Yeah. Because you need to be able to justify them being able to do whatever they want during the day and drop everything and go do something. Mm-hmm. I just think it's an odd choice to be like, all right, well, we have this Clarissa IP. Yes. Let's just make what everyone else has already made. That seems so dumb to me. Uh, The other thing is, why in the hell is it called Clarissa now? So, it was originally just called Clarissa. Okay. I'm not sure where the Clarissa now came from. Because here's, like, my pitch for this show. Mm -hmm. Ready? She did a show that everyone knows her from called Clarissa Explains It All. It was Clarissa in a situation where she knew everything. Right. It Like, she would come across the problem, she would explain it, and then she would solve the problem. This is Clarissa in a situation she doesn't know. So it should be something like, Clarissa learns. Clarissa doesn't know it all. You know, 20 years after the show, a novel was published by the creator of Clarissa Explains It All called Things I Can't Explain. Which is a novel of Clarissa as an adult. Things I Can't Explain is the perfect title for this show. Yeah. But the problem really is, she's never overwhelmed. She's never wrong. Like, she's always in control. Yeah, like, she needed to kind of... This show should have been really... More like Scrubs, where, like, it's really, really hard, but at the end of the day, there's a glimmer of hope. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I was waiting for the moment where the boss turned out to be evil mm-hmm. and said, smarten up, kid. You don't know everything. Yeah. And that would have been, like, the button to end this on. Be like, oh, this is a different beast. Yeah. This isn't going to be what Clarissa explains it all is. We're taking Clarissa and we're putting her in the deep end of the pool. But it's nothing. Like, right. this show is nothing in the end. Because the crux of the show was, oh, that Hugh Hamilton doesn't like her. And she's going to have to figure out a way to deal. Oh, they're friends. Yeah. Like, everything is so resolved by the end. My feeling towards this is, how could there be another episode? Yeah. Like, where would this go? Yeah, and she needed, like, she also needed a little bit of Clarissa's flair. Because I think that's, um, this is somewhere where I can kind of relate to Clarissa. Because I I have a slightly quirky way of dressing. Mm -hmm. And when you first start working in the real world, you're still learning the rules of what you're allowed to wear. Yeah. She should have been dressed ridiculously. Yeah. And that should have been part of the crap she got all day. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you wearing that? Yeah, take that stupid hat off. Yeah, like, and that would have felt really true to Clarissa. Mm-hmm. And really true to, like, like I said, they kind of sanded off everything that made Clarissa Clarissa. And they made her more of like a relentlessly optimistic Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really clap back at anybody who's mean to her. Mm-hmm. Like, even when she's standing up to people, it's standing up in that very Disney princess-like, you know, moral righteous rage. Yeah. Instead of being kind of snarky. Right, yeah. That's, that's very true. And because the other thing is that Clarissa struggled. Yeah. It was, she was always in, a, like, a situation that she couldn't handle. She's like, I was the understudy, but now I have to go on. I didn't study. Shoot. Mm-hmm. And then she figured out a quirky way to get out of it. Yeah. Like, we... The way she gets out of these situations is just, like, preposterous. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not fun. And there's so much sheer dumb luck. Yeah, there's nothing to really, there's not a good reason to invest in her. No. It's just, ugh, there's so, there's so much bad. And, like, as a kid who watched this, all I care about is, like, well, where's Sam? Yeah, where's Sam? Where Ferguson? Where's Ferguson? Where's Elvis? Where's Elvis? I believe Elvis was gone at the end of the first season of Clarissa Explains It All because he became an alligator. That'll happen. <laughs> but yeah, that that the whole show is just... There's nothing special about it. No, there's nothing that's going to be a hook. I, she doesn't struggle enough. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these shows, you have to find the balance between... This show is too bleak, Mm -hmm. and this character hasn't struggled at all. Yeah. Like, as a kid watching this, if I maybe if I was a little older when I saw it, I could be like, oh, cool, it's Clarissa doing more adult things. It's interesting, you know. Like, if I was... Because this is 1995. Mm I'm completely age... Date myself here. So, like, I'm in middle school. If I was in high school thinking about college... Like, maybe I would hit more with this show. But that's not there. And the idea that this is on CBS, like, someone in their 40s would have nothing to care about in this show. Right. Number one, your math is hilarious. You are not in middle school in 95. I'm in, like, fourth grade. Fourth grade's not middle school. 
It's in the middle of school. I mean, in most places, middle school is like six, seven, eight. Anyway. Okay. You would have been in elementary school still. But usually, like, one of the big things is that most of the time, kids like watching shows about the next phase up. That's why you see a lot of things aimed at elementary school age kids where they're middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of shows for middle schoolers where the leads are in high school. Yeah. In high school, uh, the leads are usually in high school, but they're acting like they're in college. Yeah, they're they're doing like more adult things like, you know, getting into very intense relationships or killing vampires. Yeah, they're getting in very intense relationships or they're FBI trainees who are stopping organ harvesting cults. There's my one per episode. Um, but like, that's usually the thing. Yeah. Is they're watching, like, the next step up. So the audience for this ostensibly would have been teenagers. Yeah. To see a college-age Clarissa. But there's nothing remotely edgy or adult about the show. This feels like a kid show. hmm Right down to, like, Hugh feels like a kid show villain. Yeah. He doesn't feel realistic. He doesn't feel... Mm-hmm three-dimensional it just feels like well he's mean yeah clarissa feels slightly more prepared for this job than vincent adult man right like working doing it yeah business doing business, business. business numbers am i doing this right yay yay so yeah any other uh trivia you want to say about this before we mm. give it a, a rating uh, rumor has it they are considering a sequel series for Clarissa as of 2018. This was about a year and a half ago, so who knows if it's going to happen. But Melissa Joan Hart said she'd come back if they did it. Huh. And she has not spoken to the actor who plays Sam since Clarissa wrapped. Oh. She's sad. like, yeah, he just disappeared. <laughs> that is a bummer. Yeah, and that bummed me out, so I wanted to make sure everyone else knew it too. I want to bring this up real quick. Do you remember what the pilot episode of Clarissa Explains It All entailed? No. The plot of the original, for this is the pilot for Clarissa Explains It All, is she wanted to get rid of Ferguson. So her plan is to lock him in a straitjacket and then attach balloons to him so he'll just float away. Yeah. And then she uh, she successfully gets him in the straitjacket. And when they go to attach the balloons, Sam's holding on to them and he floats away. But, like, I want to point out that this is murder. Yeah. <laughs> this is 100% a murder is the tri- the thing they're trying to plan. And it also comes up in the one episode of Rick and Morty. And, well, and he she does this because he showed her training bra to people. Yes. Which is kind of like... An edgy thing for a kid show to address. Yeah, that's true. So, like, the thing with early 90s Nickelodeon is it is really edgy for kid shows. Yeah, well, it's before there was, like, kids television, so they were figuring it out on the fly. Yeah, if you've never read the oral history Splat, it's very good. Is it Splat oh, or is excuse it slimed? Me, slimed? Yeah, I thought it was Slimed. Uh, Splat is the new version of uh, Nickelodeon where they're showing the older shows. Yes. Uh, They air Clarissa on the splat. But Slimed is this really good oral history where they talk a lot about that and about how much influence the kids themselves had. Right. And how they actually had a distinct look they were looking for. They didn't want to 
cast kids who were too polished looking or too pretty. Yeah, they wanted them to look like kids. Yeah, they were, they were like, ship those kids to the Disney Channel. We'll take the ones who are quirky looking mm-hmm. and a little weird. Because they are kids that kids will relate to. Right. Yeah. So, stay tuned or stay doomed. This is a hard stay doomed. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the same. I, there's just, there's not enough here. And I know it's a pilot and they were like, you could assume that this never airs and they fix the kinks when they create the full series. Mm-hmm. But like, there's so little special about it that I don't know what to pursue in it. Yeah, this would be really the the game over rule in full play. Yeah, absolutely. Of like, this is a cool concept, but you'd have to change, you'd have to rewrite the whole show. Yeah. And for anyone who watched this uh, out of context, unaware of like Clarissa and stuff like that, I think this needs to be said. The Big Helpathon was a telethon they did on Nickelodeon <sighs> where you could pledge how many hours you were going to help. This is the second one, because the original one was you could pledge three hours, five hours, or ten hours. The second one, they were like, we're bumping it up. Five hours, ten hours, or fifteen hours of help. And I believe originally, there was a big help day where Nickelodeon went dark and told you to go outside and pick up trash. Yeah, that exactly happened. Because guess who had the chicken pox that day? (laughs) And was homesick. On a Saturday and had nothing to watch because this was before Netflix. This was <laughs> Disney Channel. It was still a premium channel. Well, you should have been out there helping with your your sickness. With my contagious illness. <laughs> no, that's like, that's like a trauma for my childhood. And the truth of the matter is you could call as many times as you wanted. And depending on which number you called, you got like a different message from like Tommy Pickles or... Ren from Ren and Stimpy, and I wanted to hear all of them. So I had to have pledged over a hundred hours to the Big Helpathon. And I want to tell you right now, I didn't do jack. Yeah, I'm just going to point this out there. Uh, I didn't pledge anything because I was mad. Because I had the chicken pox and I wanted to watch TV. Well, Big Help Day was in a different day as the Big Helpathon. The Big Helpathon was the week before. You could have pledged. I was probably still sick with the chicken pox. Yeah, maybe. I'm still mad. I missed a field trip, too, that week. I'm sorry. To the farm. Everyone got free ice cream. Oh, so they were helping at the farm. Yeah. And you weren't helping at all. No. Maybe if you had pledged, you would have gotten to go. Because <laughs> I would have suddenly you, you, not gotten yeah, a contagious illness. You would have been cured by your need to help. No, what are we watching next your week? obligation to help. Next week, we are watching The Assistant. We're going back to reality shows. And it's the chance to work for an A-list celebrity. 12, 20, I don't know, a bunch of kids who want to work in the entertainment industry get a chance to work for this A-list celebrity and stay doomed alumnist, Andy, Andy Dick. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if you want to watch before you listen, uh, links are below for that show as well. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com. On Facebook and Twitter, at Stay Doomed. And where can people see us live? Uh, you will be able to see us live in January at MAGFest Woo! in National Harbor, Maryland. Yeah, come see us at MAGFest. First weekend of January. If you want to talk to me about other live-action Nickelodeon shows, like, I don't know, Alex Mack, or the, strange, or the Journey of Alan Strange, I'm at TV's Noah. 
If you want to talk about the mystery files of Shelby Woo or Animorphs, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.